Richard. <laughs> sometimes you feel like um, you could just go on with that, you know, you know sometimes it's not a, uh, I don't know what the words are to say. I've, it's quite good in here, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, oh man. You know, there's something wonderful when we start to praise, isn't there? There's so much, you know, when we start to praise the Lord, it's almost like, um, it's like a momentum. That's the way I can explain it. It's like there's a continuum. It, it kind of wells up and it starts to, gets hold of you, doesn't it, in your life? And you just think, wow, I just want to just continue. Because um, in the Psalms it says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So there's some, it's, it's, it creates a welcoming atmosphere for God to inhabit. God's into praise. God's into joy. He's not a miserable God. Some people present a miserable God, and we don't have a miserable God in here because we have Jesus, and Jesus wasn't miserable. Hallelujah. He was on occasions, but he was only miserable to those who rejected him. But to those who came to him, there was so much joy. And thank the Lord we've all come. We've all come for him today, haven't we? You know, I've come for him today, even though I'm standing here. I've come, I've come to the house of the Lord to receive from these people. Just because I stand here doesn't mean I'm not a recipient. I, I'm, I'm a, I've received the grace of God in my life, so therefore I can give it out to you guys. It's like, it's like a, a cycle of virtue. That, that when you receive from the supply of heaven through Jesus, it actually so absorbs your whole life, it consumes you, and then you just give it away. It's like a sponge. You get so filled with it, and then it just comes out of you. There's virtue in this house. There's peace in this house. There's love in this house. Because that's the type of God we know. And that's the God of the Bible. He's a wonderful God. Um, I just want to just open up today. I just pray, you know, the Lord would just give me grace and just I would flow today with whatever he wills and whatever he determines. Because um, it can be quite hard when you know you're coming up for the week and, and, and whatever it is you, you, you've been going through. But you know, as you stand in faith with what the Lord has given you, God will never fail you. So uh, today I just want to start with a, with a, with a couple of scriptures. Um, let's just go through a few. Um, I want to start with Isaiah 52, 52.7. And this is a wonderful um, prophecy about Jesus. I feel blessed today. Does anyone feel blessed today to be in here? I feel blessed. There's blessings in the house of God. There's blessings in this house. I can just, just sense it in this very atmosphere. This is a blessed place. You're blessed to be here this morning, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Come on. This is a blessed place. As soon as I come in here, it wasn't long before... I, Suddenly there was like a, like a heavenly atmosphere just in this place. Just, you know, it's wonderful. But it's not just in, in the building. It's because we're here and we praise him and we worship him. We don't worship a building, but we are his body. 
We're being built up, grown up together in him. That's what the Bible teaches. It says, how beautiful, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I think that's a wonderful uh, prophecy of Jesus that today I believe you might want to be saying this to some people in here. This is a day of salvation. This is a day of salvation. If we go to Jesus um, in Matthew 9.35, let's read that. Matthew 9.35. Now this is Jesus now. Um, It says, then Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice it says, his harvest. Amen. The harvest isn't for us in ourselves, but it's for him. It's his It's his harvest. And here you see the very heartbeat of God moved with compassion. I love this imagery. Moved with compassion. He moves with compassion over the lost, over the weary. And you see that they, had been, they were scattered. They had no direction. They had no, um, they had no um, anything about them to give them any sort of stability or way in themselves. Um, and it says, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Like sheep, like, like sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says about Jesus being the good shepherd in several places in the Bible. Um, and I can testify that I've experienced the gentle guidance and direction and just, just this, this, this overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit nudging me in the right direction. I've experienced the good shepherd in my life. He's not a harsh shepherd. He doesn't get his crook and beat the sheep. He gently nudges and says, no, not that way, this way. And he shows us the way of salvation. And when we think about salvation, it's not just I have a ticket to heaven, but it's a continuing continuation. It's a continuing thing through the course of our lives. He's continually leading us into them green pastures, like the psalmist says in Psalm 23. He's leading us in the right way, in the right path. We may have struggles, we may have disappointments in the week. You know what? The Lord would never be over you waiting for you to make a mistake. He's not that type of God. He's the good shepherd of your soul. And with his crook and his staff, he gently nudges and says, no, that's not for you, son, it's this way. It's a wonderful thing to know the voice of the Holy Spirit working in your life. This is all about the salvation 
that the Lord provides for us. Brothers and sisters, it's all down here. Hallelujah. Well, not all of it, but most of it is. But there is something to gain when we get there too. Hallelujah. Um, I just want to go to Matthew 13 because I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God because in the, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God a lot. Um, Matthew 13. And as we've just read, that it talk, it, uh, we just read that Jesus um, came, um, he came proclaiming the kingdom. It says preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And this was the evidence that the kingdom was amongst uh, amongst them at this time is because Jesus was there. And Jesus was demonstrating the fact that he was king and he was Lord and he was Messiah through the signs that, that accompanied him. That everywhere that he went, he healed the sick, he delivered people, and people received salvation. These are the um, evidences of the kingdom amongst men. So you see, you see this at the very start of Jesus' ministry, that he came um, and was proclaiming the kingdom. He was proclaiming the rule and the reign of God, like we read in Isaiah. It said that um, he'd become to, to bring good tidings, and he proclaimed um, the good news of the kingdom, that, his God, that, 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 that our God reigns, the God of Israel. He reigns. He reigns supreme. And a part of that reigning is salvation for people, is health for people, is wholeness for people, is uh, brokenness, is people are being mended and made right and wellness of mind and, uh, and forgiveness and relationships coming back where there'd been unforgiveness. Then now there's healing and now there's all these good things that pertain to the kingdom. And the kingdom came with the king because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And here you see Jesus coming on the scene and he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is both here and it is to come. It's them two truths there. It's both here, like I said, it's here, but it's also to come. There's something to come into. So it's very present. Like Jesus said on several occasions, um, he, he said that the kingdom is in your midst, he said to the Pharisees, didn't he? Um, and that's in, uh, that's in Matthew 12, 28. We're not going to turn there. Matthew 12, 28, they said, well, how does this kingdom come with, you know, what, 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 how do we see it with observation? How can we see, how can we look and see this kingdom that, you're, that, we, that we know that's in the scriptures, in other words, that was in the Old Testament? How do we know that this kingdom, how, do we, how can we see it? And he said that the kingdom didn't come with that type of observation. It didn't come that you could see it with your natural eyes like a physical overthrowing of the Roman Empire. It didn't come with, with that type of force, with that type of means. It didn't come that way. But he said, the kingdom is right here, right amongst you. And this is why it's a mystery. Jesus said about the mystery of the kingdom. He says it on several occasions. He talks about the mystery of the kingdom. Because religion will often want to present something religious to people. It wants to present something to people. And, and it's not that way. It wants to dress up or, 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 or present something that is so holy in itself like this. But it's not authentic. It's not true. It's not genuine. 
And Jesus sees straight past these type of pretenses that the Pharisees would put up. They'd put up this appearance that there was something, they were like this, but really inwardly there was something else. But Jesus spoke about his kingdom being in the midst of them because Jesus was there. In John 3.16 it says you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. So when you're born again, you enter in to God's kingdom. God's kingdom. So Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God was salvation. The kingdom of God was all them things that he came to establish, you know, when, when he was amongst men. So when we, when we look into, uh, when we look at Matthew 13, there's this uh, a, a parable about the sower. And the sower, the sower is very, um, lots of people are familiar with this parable about the parable of the sower. And I've been reading for it in the week and a few things have it, it kind of came to me through the week, through this, this parable. I found some interesting points. Um, and we're just going to read through it from the top of the chapter. We can open it up a little bit from there. It says, on that same day, Jesus went out, out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered together with him. So he got into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude, multitude stood on the shore. Now, I just want to just pause just for a moment there, because I think the context for this parable is really important, that Jesus was in the boat because there were so many people. There was a multitude, there was a great multitude. In other words, there was lots of people. Lots of people, lots of different characters, lots of different types of people, lots of different people from lots of different places. There was a lot of people. And he got into the boat, obviously, to try to clear himself a bit of room, get a bit of space, because obviously he could have been crowded out. So he stands, he's standing there in the boat and he's, he's teaching people through these parables and parables are like stories but but within the story there's a deep spiritual truth within within these stories that Jesus taught about it's a great way of illustrating something spiritual that sometimes that are hard to conceive just by words so Jesus teaches in this way and he teaches about a sower and someone that goes out to sow. Now, the sower here is Jesus, I believe. He's t- talking about himself, and he goes to see, sow the good, um, the good news of the kingdom, like we've just been hearing. It's the word of the kingdom that he's sowing. If we just read down from verse 3, and it says, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and immediately sprang up. But because they had no depth of earth, but the, but the sun was, was up and, and, they, and they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell upon good, good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. 
So he's just told them this parable. Now, now just follow the next verse with me. And it says, And his disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Now, this is interesting. Because he's just told this to the multitude. And now, his disciples come to him. They come to him and says, Why do you speak to them? So now, he's, now they're saying, Why do you talk to them? Talking about the, the multitude. Why do you talk to them in parables? And then he answered them and says... Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, he's saying it's been given to you. Now he's personally addressing the disciples. It's been given. So he's talking openly. And the way I can only describe it is that he's talking openly. And now he's saying, but it's given to you now, the disciples, to know these mysteries. And like I said, the kingdom of heaven was a mystery. It was concealed in the Old Testament, but it's being revealed in the New Testament. And the reason why it was concealed is because they, they had the wrong mindset about what, what would happen and how this would be fulfilled. They thought it would be a literal kingdom, like many of us might have thought if we were living in the Old Testament times. We've been looking for a literal kingdom of reign where, where, the, where the Romans would be toppled and overthrown. But this is, see, this is why it's a mystery. It was a mystery because Jesus had to reveal it. And Jesus has to reveal things to you. It's Jesus that has to reveal these things to you. And they came to him and he started to reveal this mystery. And he reveals this mystery by interpreting the parable to them. He's still talking to them. It's the, it's the same context. If you carry on, We'll carry on reading down and it opens, it opens it up for you. And it says he answered to them in, le- in 11... Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has, more will be given. And, it will, and he will have in abundance. But whoever does not have, what he has will be taken from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and you shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of his people has grown dull, and their ears were hard of hearing, and their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So this prophecy is fulfilled in the people that were present, the multitude. He's saying they're dull of heart and hard of hearing. And he says this is fulfilled in these moments here. These people are like this. And then he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. So they're saying that they were looking forward in the Old Testament to this coming kingdom. They were looking forward, they they were longing for this appearance of this kingdom. And now you see here, Jesus is saying, this is what it's like. I'm uncovering it to you. I'm showing you. And then he goes on, and explains 
the parable of the sower. And we'll go on and read it. So it says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away from the one that's sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is the one who hears the word and the cares and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. There's a key word, and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So here you have um, four different conditions of people. And this is what Jesus is t teaching about. The kingdom comes as a word. It comes in seed form. It comes in seed form. It comes through his words. The word of the kingdom. And the demonstration of his power. What we just spoke about beforehand. And he's giving the disciples this understanding here of how things work because they were ignorant to it. And we all are until Jesus comes and enlightens us in that way to these truths of how this kingdom operates, of how it all works. So he's showing the conditions of the people's hearts. He's showing them the different, the different um, places where this, where this word, where this seed could fall. And um, with the first... Three, well, the first one, he says that the wicked one comes and snatches it away. It comes and snatches it away from his heart. That's the one by the wayside. And then the one with stony ground has no root. So I believe the first, I believe the first um, three are people that haven't been born again. They never got born again. But the last two are, uh, uh, could, be, could be seen as Christians. It says that they, they were choked as they grow up, but as the seed grew, as the plant grew, the world began to try to choke out that life, that tried to choke out, and it become unfruitful. It doesn't say that they, they weren't saved, it just becomes they become unfruitful. But the last one is the one that understands it. Now, the understanding of the kingdom comes into your heart. It comes into your heart. It's a, it, when it comes into your heart, God gives you this revelation that he's real. Now I'm talking about people that haven't yet been born again yet, because most people in here have been born again. And if you're not been born again, you need to be born again. <laughs> you need to be born again, because it's what Jesus said. So that, I just want to make that clear. If you've been born again, you've entered into the kingdom. You've understood in your heart. Amen? Yeah? But to those who haven't been born again yet, the understanding comes into their heart because it says in Isaiah, it says, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So that I should heal them. 
And that's the thing. That this is the thing with the, with the kingdom of God. You see, as it comes in this, this format, this seed format, people's hearts are softened. And people's hearts turn. And God begins to minister that healing virtue into their lives. You know, God is into healing. Because I believe that the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there's no suffering and no pain. And there's none of these things in God's kingdom. Like you can think of that in eternity to come. But I believe that is very present amongst us when his kingdom comes. When his kingdom comes, you could say it's already here in one aspect, couldn't you? But it still comes through his word, through us that sow the good news of Jesus. Jesus comes and he heals people. I believe there's healing virtue in his people. There's wholeness, there's salvation, there's restoration. Because they understand and they turn. That's the good seed. Is everyone everyone with me this morning? Is this making sense? That's a good job, isn't it? (laughs) But I'm just teaching you of how things work. And this is how Jesus taught his disciples. He was uncovering these mysteries. And he was making these treasures, these treasures, these revelations known to people. Um, but previously, when we, if we look at the other, the other, the other conditions of people, of, how, of what happened in their lives, it talks about people that rec- received the word with joy, but it says they had no root in themselves. It never went past to just a, a quick moment. And then it talks about the one previously. It says the, the, the enemy snatches, snatches it out from their heart. But the good soil is the one that produces much fruit. It says it produces some a hundredfold, and some a sixty, and some thirty. So the nature of the kingdom of God is to grow. By its nature, it, it's, it, it multiplies. It's not something that can be contained. It's not something that is limited. It's something that continues. I think this is wonderful. The Jesus said it's like a must. He said it's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest, but it grows into the biggest tree. You know, when Jesus started pronouncing, he started proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. It was so that it could continue till his return. That it grew, it multiplied. That people would come in. There'll be many sons of the kingdom. And that's us. So we receive all the benefits of this heavenly kingdom. And then we represent Christ on the earth. It's his kingdom in a foreign land. That's what we are. I was talking to Donna the other day about um, the embassy in uh, Israel had moved. Um, that it went from Tel Aviv, the American embassy, it moved from Tel Aviv and it moved to Jerusalem. And I was thinking about the embassy, I was thinking about ambassadors, and there was one, uh, someone on the, on the TV who was an ambassador of a certain country, I can't remember what it was. And I started thinking about that, because the scripture tells me that we're like ambassadors of Jesus, we're ambassadors of Christ. In other words, we're representatives of that kingdom, and its values, and the way it works, the way it operates. The wholeness, the restoration, the forgiveness, the, the, the values of heaven is seen in his people. And I think that's wonderful. And an embassy is a, is a, um, it's a foreign country in another country that represents the people of, that, of the other country. And that's what it's like. 
the kingdom of heaven with his people. We represent Jesus to, to the world. We are representatives of the values of heaven, of the culture of heaven. And I thought, that's a wonderful thing to be a part of. I think that's wonderful. So this mystery is unlocked before the disciples in this wonderful parable. He gives the interpretation to his disciples. This is how to go about things. This is how things are going to work for you. It wasn't for everyone, and this baffles me. That he he wasn't for everyone. It's not for them, but it's for you guys, to you to know. So he delegates that to them to then go out into the world later on. And it says at the end of the age, there's going to be a great harvest. The end of the age, there's going to be a great harvest. And those who are of his kingdom will be into, into, it talks about the the, the barn, the storehouse, will be collected and will will be with Christ, will be with Christ. We're with God. And there'll be a time when that kingdom of God will be a kingdom that reigns on the earth. It says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. It talks about the Bible. So one day he's going to complete the job totally. But now it's almost as if, you know, it's like it talks about the weeds and talks about the tares, doesn't it? It talks about they grow together, the wheat and the tares. So you have the kingdom of God and you have the tares, which are sown by the wicked one. That's the next parable. I'm not going to go into all that now. But this is how it works. It's great to see things, how Jesus um, sees things, of how he taught things. Because what it does, it gives you understanding. And there's one thing we need, is understanding in the church. We need understanding. We need to know what salvation really looks like and what salvation is. Salvation has come. Hallelujah. If you've been born again, you're forgiven. If you've been born again, you're going to be in heaven with Christ. If you've been born again, you're, you're, a, um, uh, you're a recipient of all the goodness of God. You're a son of God. The Bible talks about all of these things. That's all part of being in his kingdom. Hallelujah. This is good. So the one day there will be a consummation of everything. All, all things in the future will be a fulfillment of everything. It would be completely dealt with, all this suffering, all this pain on this earth. And we don't think about that much. It says it in Revelation, that there'll be no more tears, there'll be no hurting, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering. And that's a time to look forward to. That's a time to look forward to. God is good, isn't he? Isn't it wonderful? You know... I think it's amazing. It's such a treasure to have his word and to have his word in our hearts. Because when I started to understand the gospel, that was the point of entrance for me. It caused me to turn my heart to him. It's when I got born again. And I think there's a principle here that we can learn on a daily basis is to, is to seek the understanding of the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Spirit give you understanding in your hearts. Because I think that's something that does continue in our lives. I need understanding continually from the Lord. I need to depend on him for the understanding that I have. Um, The moment we think we can do without him is a massive loss. You need to understand what the gospel is. Salvation has come. The king has come and his kingdom's come. 
It means all the good things. The forgiveness is yours. The salvation is yours. Dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Jesus said this. Um, sorry, Paul said this. He said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love that. The benefits of knowing Jesus are amazing. I was, uh, I was getting some petrol the other day and um, two guys walked past me. They weren't together. And I thought, man, like, people look so miserable. Like, this is not judging. I say this with goodness in my heart, you know. Being honest with you. People are just like, they're just like, like depression. I could see it all over them, man. I'll tell you what, I just, I thought, man, what I've got is so precious when you sometimes see the darkness of the world. You know, it's not that we're superior in, in that sense, because it's only by grace that we stand here today. But it comes so precious and so valuable when you start to see how dark the world is at times. The light shines brighter in the dark places. And it's seen by many. And, and you know, that hope and that joy that God gives you is priceless. It's what the world is looking for. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I value Jesus in my life massively. He is the good shepherd. He's so good. He's better than what you've ever thought he was. You know, some of you know he's good, but you've got to experience his goodness. Because when you really experience his goodness, you start to live in his goodness. You see what I'm saying? Now, we say God is good, and people say amen all the time. And it becomes that we say it out of habit. But man, when you see his goodness and you experience it, there's nothing like it. God is good. Hallelujah. Father, give us understanding. That's my prayer. You should pray it with me. God, give me understanding. I want to understand your gospel. Now, you may think you've already understood it, but I tell you, there's depths to God. There's things that you can enter into that you have never dreamed. You may have been through hard work, you may have been through stuff in your life, but I tell you, the great gardener is here to tear down them weeds in your life. In Jesus' name. The great heavenly gardener in the name of Jesus can uproot every weed that tries to entangle over your life in Jesus' name and bring that salvation, bring the reality of salvation into your heart today. That's what he's here to do. Don't fear, don't feel depressed. Look up. Look up to God today. I believe there's people in here that have had a tough week. You've had a tough week and it seemed like you feel like that you, them weeds have been trying to choke, choke around you like, choke, choke you out. But I can tell you today, deliverance is in the house of God today for you, in Jesus' name. There's deliverance for you. He's a God of deliverance. There was a boy that got delivered when Jesus, was, when Jesus was walking around. He got delivered. And he said, the kingdom of God has come upon him. The reign of God has come upon him. This is how God reigns. He reigns through healing, through wellness, through prosperity. He gives and gives and gives even more. 
God is here to deliver people in this house. Our God reigns. Hallelujah. That's what it says in Isaiah. It says, our God reigns. I want to finish off of how I started with the same scripture. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Proclaim peace to you this morning. Who brings great tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation, a salvation to you today. Who says to Zion, how, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. He really is. I really mean it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.